G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. This podcast is made available by Vision Christian Media, thanks to the generosity of our supporters. Your donation today means great podcasts like this remain available to help people look to God daily. Please make your donation today at vision.org.au. Do you ever find it difficult to say, I'm going to go to church today? You know, when I go on vacation, I'm so tempted not to go to church. Yeah. Hi, and welcome to Today with Jeff Vines. Today, Pastor Jeff is preaching from Luke chapter 13. He's encouraging us to reflect on the year that we've had and to make the coming year one of worship and gratitude. Jesus in this parable is trying to remind us that He has the goods on every single one of us. He knows that we have a disease, chronic discontentment, chronic dissatisfaction. And the problem with that, every day goes by that we don't thank God and extend gratitude to God for all the wonderful things He gives us. Our heart grows smaller, harder, and colder every day. This is Today with Jeff Vines. So I want you to turn to Luke chapter 13. Luke 13, we're gonna deal with two back-to-back parables or teachings Jesus gives. But I want to I kind of be very personal with you in the sense that, you know how when we get a new year coming, it's a great year to look back over your life and uh, just take review of what kind of life you've lived and how God has blessed you, maybe even some of your struggles. And I've begun to notice a pattern in my own life. So even though this sermon is not about me, uh, it's a sermon that I, I'm just wanting to know if you struggle with something that I struggle with, because I've noticed it's kind of getting worse uh, the older I get. It's something that concerns me. And I know when I say something like I did on Christmas Eve, when I said, uh, I, there's not a person in this room that doesn't have a secret. He doesn't want anybody to find out. Already I've had people say, what's your secret? What's the secret? <laughs> I mean, you're the pastor. You're not supposed to have any secrets. Well, all of us struggle with things. And I want to share something with you. Jesus says it like this in Luke 13. He says, now there were some present at the time who told Jesus about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mixed with their sacrifices. Jesus answered, do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Gentiles because they suffered this way? I tell you no, but unless you repent, you too will perish. Or those 18 who died when the tower of Siloam fell on them, do you think that they were more guilty than all the others living in Jerusalem? I tell you no, but unless you repent, you too will likewise perish. It seems like a harsh passage. And in order to kind of enlighten us to where Jesus is going here. Uh, I recall an illustration I gave you a couple years ago. June 3rd, 2009, there was a lady in Greensboro, North Carolina. Uh, The title of the article was called Double Dip, and there was a pun definitely intended because she had a DUI and was arrested and stripped of her license. So she went out and bought a moped because in Greensboro, North Carolina, you don't have to have a license to drive a moped. So she's driving the moped. It was the time that the torrential rain and flooding hit the East Coast. And she breaks right through a barrier and drives into a flood region, a flood zone. And the moped comes out from underneath her and she begins to drown. A police officer who's wondering, why did you go through the barricades, parks his car and goes in after her, actually saves her life, brings her out, pulls her out, resuscitates her, 
goes over to the uh, uh, police radio and starts to call in what had just happened. And he glances back over and the woman had gone back into the water to get her moped. (laughs) Now, you read the story and I'm thinking, what goes on in a person's mind uh, to go back in after she had just been resuscitated? Uh, I mean, I try to get inside of her head and think, what are you thinking? Okay, I almost drowned the first time, but this time I'm stronger. Is that what you think? Or now that I'm so tired, I won't struggle so much and I'll float. Uh, Or that I can grab my moped and drive it out of here. What is it that goes through your mind? Whatever it was, it was wrong because she died. True story. And she was actually awarded the post uh, or posthumously uh, Darwin Award. You know about the Darwin Awards? Darwin Awards are given. It honors people who accidentally uh, remove themselves from the gene pool at the gratitude of the rest of us. (laughs) Hoping that people who think like that will not continue to spread and, uh, and offspring continue to occur on planet. I mean, it's a sad thing, but the reality is you think, what, what is it? I read that story over and over. What do you think? What? You just were rescued you, and you died. Of course, you're not thinking anything after that, but sad day. Now, in this story, Jesus does something very similar. He says, your thinking is, is erroneous it's, it, and it's, it's producing in you a wrong way of living. And I want to help you straighten it out. And so in Luke 13, he talks about an event that happened, a large tower in a place called Siloam that collapsed. It was a tragic event. 18 people died. And Jesus looks at his crowd and says, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, and it's an erroneous way of thinking. It's why you're living the way you're living. He says in verse four, do you think that those 18 people are more guilty than all the others in Jerusalem? I tell you no, but unless you repent, you too will perish. Wow. He says, Do you think that the reason these people died in this event is because they were worse than you? Uh, The San Bernardino shootings. Uh, Do you think that there are some people who did not die, others did? Who makes the arbitrary decision, seemingly arbitrary decision, who dies, who lives? I remember after 9-11, all kinds of newspaper articles wrote about people who for some reason did not go to the Twin Towers that day. Uh, There's a whole book published on people who had a dentist appointment or a doctor's appointment or they got distracted along the way or something happened to deter them. And the articles included the theory, at least the idea that maybe it was because they had been good and God reserved their lives. He preserved them rather, protected them. It's inevitable that that's what we do. That's the way we are. If something good happens to somebody, we assume that they've done something right. Even in the game of golf, my buddies and I, when we're playing, and if I pull hook my drive and it hits a tree, but then bounces right back onto the green, we'll say to each other, man, you must be living right. That's the assumption. Well, God is helping you. Now, the way we're wired, when something good happens, we can deny it all we want, but down deep inside, our tendency is to infer from superior circumstances, superior character. If things are going well, superior circumstances, it's because of our superior character. So when good things happen to us, we say something like, we don't do it out loud, but we say, well, you know, I am a pretty good person. I do live a pretty good life. I mean, it's only natural that these good things should happen to me. Superior character, superior talent, superior wisdom, absolutely instinctive. Jesus, when he tells these two stories, because there's back-to-back parables. I've used one before and we've dealt with it, but I want to relate it to the one that follows Jesus is saying something. He's saying, I'm I'm telling you, no, you're wrong if you think that bad things happen to bad people and good things happen to good people. And then he says, this is the hard part. He says, repent unless you perish as well. What's he saying? 
He's not saying that you're good and everybody else you know is good. And when something bad happens, it's just a series of unfortunate events. He's actually saying in the parable, everyone, when it comes right down to it, deserves to have a tower fall on them. (laughs) That's hard to take. Everyone, when it comes down to it. And most of us think that there are some genocidal maniacs out there that do deserve to have a tower fall. But for most of us, God owes us a good life. God owes us a good life. And Jesus in the parable asked the question, can you prove that assumption? Can you support that with evidence? On what basis do you think that God owes everybody a good life? Now, as you read the scriptures, you discover that Jesus has in mind this idea that God gives you the gift and it's called life, your breath. That you didn't do anything to earn it. It was a gift of God. You didn't do anything to deserve it. God just gave it to you as a gift. And then there are other gifts that he gives you in your life. Now, stay with me. This is where the tension comes in. That you didn't earn. It's just part of living. He gave you the gift of relationships. The, the way you feel when you meet the one that you're going to marry. My, uh, my daughter, Sion, she was proposed to on Christmas by her boyfriend. Yeah. So, you know, why, why is it that Sion should have the, the privilege and the gift of marriage? Why is it that he should have the gift of being able to date and marry my daughter? Why, why should that gift come to him? Because I could remove it at any moment. And yet there's a gift. Why the gift of marriage? Why the gift of relationships? Why the gift of chocolate and coffee? Why the gift, why the gift of food that's not only for sustenance, but actually tastes good? Why does God make it that way? And then the oceans and the beaches and the sunshine. Why all these gifts? And even the Bible says he causes his rain and the sunshine to rain on both the righteous and the unrighteous. So there's no, it's not like you deserved it. He gives it to good people and takes it away from bad. So what's, what's he saying there? G.K. Chesterton says this, here ends another day during which I have had eyes, ears, hands, and a great world around me. Tomorrow begins another day. Why am I allowed to? You see, I find that in my life, I have a disease and it's called chronic discontent. I find that I have a hard time celebrating the good things God does in in anticipation for what's going to happen next. It never seems to be good enough. Do you struggle with that? Do you struggle with it? Today's great, but what about tomorrow? How can it be better? Do you ever find yourself, do you ever find it difficult to tear your way, yourself away from self-indulgences to do something that's right, like worship God? Do you ever find, do you ever find yourself, do you ever find it difficult to say, I'm going to go to church today and every week it's optional to you? You know what that says about you and me? You know, when I go on vacation, I'm so tempted not to go to church. Yeah, oh, what? <laughs> yeah, of course, because I, th- I start thinking this way. Man, I do six sermons a week, and I, think, I don't think I'm going to lose my salvation by not going to worship this week. That's not the point. See, the point is there should be an overwhelming sense of gratitude in me that I would want to go and give God praise for the fact I can take vacation. Two-thirds of the world says, what, you get paid not to work? <laughs> But I don't find that that's typical of me. I don't find that when I wake up in the morning, my first tendency is to throw my hands in the air and thank God for my next breath. Why do I get two days? Why do I get two breaths? Why do I get these gifts? I don't find it my tendency to praise God for my son and my daughter, my wife, and my iguana. <laughs> Robin's iguana and other things. What? 
What's wrong with me? And Jesus says, what's wrong with you is that you truly believe, Jeff, that God owes you all these things. This is Today with Jeff Vines. Today's message is about committing to a new year of worship and gratitude and turning away from our discontentment and unthankfulness towards God. Let's continue. Gary Thomas says that one year he took his six-year-old daughter to Knott's Berry Farm, and it just happened to be one of those days when it was really cloudy. And so not many people were there, and it's like having a fast pass. She just went from one ride to the next with no waiting. So she rode the flying school bus and the little cars and the little Ferris wheel and the log ride. And he said in his book, he says, I noticed that instead of gratitude, instead of her saying, wow, this is great, man, we got a day. I can ride whatever I want in all long lines. He says, she began to say instead with a slightly desperate edge to her voice, what's next, dad? What's next? Every year I take gifts to a couple of needy families in our church. And it never fails that some family that I take gifts to, there's always one, at least one. And we try to have a bunch of gifts for the kids and we try to do it age appropriate. It never fails that there's always a family and the kids get the gifts and they tear open the first box and they look at it for five seconds and tear up the next, and look at it for five and go on and go on. And when it's over, is that all? <laughs> but they're just our children. That's, that's who we are. What's next? Woody Allen, and I know he's not a great moral authority by any means, in a documentary called uh, Wild Man Blues, he makes a confession. This is what he says. He says, you know, I've got the kind of personality that when I'm here in Europe, I miss New York. And when I'm in New York, I miss Europe. I just don't want to be where I am at any given moment. I'd rather be somewhere else. And then he finishes by saying, there's no way to beat that problem because no matter where you are, it's chronic dissatisfaction. It's not only in Hollywood, though. It's just about in every walk of life. Scottie Pippen was one of my favorite basketball players. I liked him so much because he was the number two goddess, Michael Jordan. He was the great passer, the great assist man, tall guy, shoot, great shooter, and very wealthy. What most people don't know about Scottie Pippen, he was born into a very small house, crammed in with a lot of people. He was actually so poor that he slept on the street for a season of his life. By 1999, though, He signed a contract for $14.7 million for three years, from 2002 to 2005. He made $50 million that one year in endorsements, $95 million in one year. In the late 90s, that was huge. A 74-foot yacht, $100,000 Mercedes. There was an article written about him in Sports Illustrated. You can look it up sometime online. It's an interesting article, 13th of December, 1999. It's entitled, No Babes in the Woods, and it traces Scottie Pippen's thoughts in a warm-up just before each game was played. And let me tell you what it says. It says, before every game in Portland's Rose Garden, because he was playing at Portland then, Pippen had eyes for only one. He'll let his gaze drift over to the courtside seat occupied by Paul Allen, co-founder of Microsoft, and owner of both the Trailblazers and the Seattle Seahawks, a man with personal net of $40 billion. Pippen looks at his employer's geeky exterior and wonders, how does he do it? Tell me how I can make a billion. I just want one of them. Tell me how I can make a billion dollars. Tell me how I can become a billionaire. Dude, you just made 95 million. And now you want one more billion. Jesus in this parable is trying to remind us that he has the goods on every single one of us. And here's what it is. He knows that we have a disease. Chronic discontentment, chronic complaining, chronic dissatisfaction, that we tend to live with a demanding spirit without any sense of awe or wonder or worship, just entitlement and expectation. 
And the problem with that, every day goes by that we don't thank God and extend gratitude to God for all the wonderful things he gives us. Our heart grows smaller, harder, and colder every day. That's me. Now, I have seasons when I worship and when I'm grateful. And then you just get into this phase in your life sometimes where you're just taking everything for granted. And it's like, what's next, God? I need something next. What's next? It's been a while since you gave me a trip or a a gift. I need something. Do you know that God had that talk with Moses? And he said, when I bring the children of Israel into the promised land, Moses, I'm concerned. I'm concerned that they will harvest where they've not planted, will inherit where they have not toiled, where they'll reap, where they've not sown. And I'm afraid that they'll forget me and who brought them into the promised land and whose mercy by which they have received all these gifts. So Moses in Deuteronomy 8 has a talk with the people and he says, be careful that you don't forget God. Otherwise, when you're satisfied after you've eaten and you build your fine houses and you settle down, your heart will be proud and you'll not give glory and praise to God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of slavery. And he says, you may say to yourself at that point, my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. And sure enough, that's what Israel did. God blessed them so much and gave them so much that they abandoned God. Imagine that. And then in Isaiah 5, what more could I have done, he says, for my vineyard than I have done for it? When I looked for good grapes, why did it yield only bad grapes? You think about that. He gave them everything. And instead of praising and worshiping gratitude, they just complained what they didn't have. That's me. Is that you? You ever find yourself depressed, not because of all the things you do have, but because of a few things you don't. So your boyfriend broke up with you. Okay. So you didn't get the gift you thought you were going to get for Christmas. So the in-laws visited over the holidays. (laughs) I mean, think about what you have. Seriously, I mean, you're breathing. You know, there are some people that lost somebody they loved during the Christmas. Some people spent the, the Christmas in the hospital. Some, some people didn't have a lot of food and they didn't have toys to give their kids. And I look at you and I look at the cars in the parking lot. And I, I'm not beating you up for that because I'm just as guilty. Well, that's really not something to be guilty about. I just meant I'm just as blessed. I'm just as blessed as you are. The guilt comes in. When you, well, it comes in when you, when you actually have to psych yourself up to do something called worship. That you actually have to drag yourself out of bed on a weekend to get here when you'd rather be somewhere else. It's amazing. And then, as I've said before, when all the blessings God has given you become distractions. I mean, it's, it's ironic to me. It's exactly what happened with the Israelites and it's what happens to you and me. You know, that God blesses us and then now that we have this beach house, now that we have this house in the mountains, now that we have this, we can, now that we have this better job, we can spend time away from God. <laughs> that's me and that's you. Now, here's the thing. As amazing as that is, what's even more amazing is God's response to it. That's the next part in verse six through nine. This is Today with Jeff Vines. We'll have to leave it there for today, but we'll continue to hear how to make next year a year of worship and gratitude next time on the show. In this one little parable, you know, the vineyard owner is God, the one speaking to the vineyard owner. 
is Jesus. And the one saying, do not cut it down, is Jesus. He's going to God on your behalf. Don't cut it down. And he says, wait one more year. But there's an interesting word. Today with Jeff Vines. Just another way vision is connecting faith to your life. for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.